Good morning. And I want to welcome up Asia. Asia Smith. So Asia is like a daughter to us and like a sister to all of my children. She lived with us for two and a half years when she went to Polk State. And um, she's married now with a three and a half year old baby girl, right? And recently she went through a pretty hard time. And the Lord has done miraculous things in her. And she, she wants to share this morning. So I'm going to let her share here for me. Go ahead, Amy. Like you said, my name's Asia. For those of you that know Alexis, too, I'm her sister, and I'm kind of like part of the Nichols family. So I do want to give a testimony just of the Lord's goodness and faithfulness to me over the last ten and a half weeks, and I'm probably not going to keep it together, so just get prepared. <laughs> um, I'm not going to give a full um, medical history of what brought me to the low place that I was in when I arrived in Florida, but I do think it's just significant to mention that several years ago, I... Um, suffered with a miscarriage. A lot of you were actually really around to support me during that. And, um, and then after the birth of my daughter, I had something called postpartum psychosis. And it's like deeper and darker than the postpartum depression. And those two events really put me over the last few years into a cycle of um, some really big mental health issues. And so I want to just tell you the state that I was in when I arrived in Florida because I want to just contrast that to what the Lord's done for me. Um, so when I arrived in Florida, um, I was in a really, really deep depression. I was having, I'm so hopeless that I had thoughts of harming myself. I just couldn't see a way forward to keep on living. Um, I was sleep deprived, just getting little pieces of sleep throughout the night. Um, I was over medicated. I was anxious. My stomach was a mess. Um, because of all the things that were going on. Those of you that saw me know that, like, even my facial expressions, I didn't have facial expressions anymore. My speech was slowed. When I walked, I was just dragging my feet, and I was hopeless. So that's the state that I um, arrived in. I was totally overwhelmed with just the regular tasks of life, like just the thought of, like, cooking an egg or doing a load of laundry. I just wanted to shut down. I was totally overwhelmed. Um, so we actually met with Cliff um, when I first came here and just to discuss some options of how to move forward and decided to start looking for a new doctor. And, um, you know, Aunt Diane called around a little bit, and there was one that came highly recommended that was a Christian doctor, and she called him, and he said, um, I'm sorry, I don't have any openings. But for Asia, I tell you what I'll do. I'll come in an hour earlier uh, to my job on Friday, and I'll, I'll see Asia at 7 a.m. on Friday. <laughs> So the Lord totally set it up for me to get seen um, by a new doctor. He gave me a new diagnosis, a new medication plan, set me on a totally different path than I had been in Virginia, something that I was so much more comfortable with. Um, but I knew that it would take a while for everything to kind of kick in medication-wise. So over Christmas break, I spent Christmas with my family in North Carolina, and I found myself in a situation where I didn't really have the funds to continue my medical care, and I want to tell you that the Lord has provided for every single one of my medical bills since I have been in Florida. So the next step was um, for me to get into therapy, and I had done talk therapy before a couple, two or three different times, and it really wasn't that impactful and that successful, um, and we tried a couple of therapists in Florida, and one day I was talking to Jen Johnson. She said, you know, there's a, there's a guy in Orlando 
um, who used to be a pastor, and he went and got his PhD. He's a therapist, and he's all about mind renewal and getting to the root of a problem. And I said, that's my guy. I know it. Give me his information. So Aunt Diane called the next morning, and he had a cancellation that day to see me. And um, over the next few weeks, the Lord just really used him to get to the root of some of the issues and the traumas that I had been through and um, just begin to process that in a new way. Um, so then, you know, when I first came to Florida, my, um, I know I keep mentioning Aunt Diane, but I've been living with him. Um, mentioned this retreat center in Georgia called Be in Health, and it's all about, um, like, looking into the spiritual roots of different illnesses and starting to think and speak and act like God and his kingdom and not the enemy. And um, the truth is I wasn't well enough to go when I first arrived in Florida, but the Lord brought me to a place where I was actually healthy enough to be able to go to this retreat in Georgia, and I was kind of seeing it as like a final chapter in my healing journey, but turns out it's just the beginning, you know, of a life just walking this out with the Lord. Um, and I just want to share a couple of my biggest takeaways from that week. The Lord opened my eyes to a lot of things, but one of them was just um, how much fear I was living in. Like I had a, on a pair of glasses and seeing the world through a lens of fear instead of faith. And um, my biggest scriptural takeaway from that weekend uh, one lady who was ministering to me said, Psalm 94, 19, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your comforts delight my soul. And she said, if it doesn't comfort and delight my soul, then I'm going to take it captive and I'm going to cast it down. So I want to tell you that today I'm no longer having thoughts of harming myself. I'm no longer... <laughs> no longer depressed. I'm sleeping well, maybe a little too well now. <laughs> I have hope for my future. My anxiety is so much, so much, so much less, and I'm weaning off of my stomach medication, too. So um, just want to say what this body has done for me. You guys have prayed and prayed and prayed, and I've had prayers from all over the country, even as far as Hawaii, people praying and praying for me. And so please don't stop because I still am in the fire in a lot of ways, but the Lord's done a lot. So you guys have prayed for me. You've picked me up and taken me out to eat. You've spoken words of encouragement and un unknown to you. A lot of times those things went, you know, I went home and wrote those things down and they were a real blessing and impact to me. Um, you guys have made care packages, spent time with me. So I just want to say keep up the good work and keep reaching out and it's more impactful than maybe you realize. So there were times when I first came to Florida where I couldn't read or pray or worship, and it was the support of friends and family around me. Let me play this worship song for you. Let me encourage you from the word. Let me give you a scripture. Let me pray with you. And that's what carried me through. So I just want to throw out a few reminders this morning because we need them sometimes. And I just want to say that if you are in the pit this morning, I want to remind you that there is no pit that he is not deeper still. I uh, kind of came up with this phrase during this time that, Lord, you care for me and you carry for me. 
here's my mess. This is too big for me to handle. Lord, would you care for, for this? And would you carry this for me? I was reminded yesterday of the psalm, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future and life is worth living just because he lives. I want to remind you that there's a fourth man in the fire and that your heavenly father is not going to let you get burned. I want to remind you that the cross has the final word in your situation. The doctor doesn't have the final word. The enemy doesn't have the final word. The cross has the final word in your situation. you that there is only one set of footprints in the sand and when you look back you're going to see that it was the Lord that carried you through the deepest and darkest times. Isaiah 49:16 says, "Behold, I have graven thee on the palm of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me." We're engraved on the palm of his hands. My theme scripture during this time has been and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So I'm just going to leave you um, with the lyrics to a song I wrote. I'm just going to read them to you. These words have sometimes been really true in my life, and sometimes I have to more say them as a declaration. It's called My Freedom Song. We plow together, but he bears the load. I know I'm not on my own anymore. He heals my broken body and mends my wounded soul. You were broken so that I could be made whole. Yours is the day and the night. The world is in your hands, and so am I. I'm free. Thank God I'm free. I'm free, forever free. The chains of anxiety are broken. I won't be held captive anymore. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. One step is enough for me. You'll guide me with your counsel, with your eye upon me. One day you'll come take me home with you. The chains of fear and doubt are broken. I won't be held captive anymore. You crown my life with goodness. Your path is full of peace. If you are for me, then I can only win. I'll fix my eyes on Jesus. I'll lock my gaze on you. I'll run with all my heart to win the prize. The chains that held me down are broken. I won't be held captive anymore. Soon we'll be going home. 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 Hallelujah. So that's pretty good preaching, and um, I'll try to do a part B and tag team onto that. The, the reality is when we picked up Asia about 10 weeks ago in uh, South Carolina to bring her down to stay here, she looked catatonic. She looked like a zombie. Diana and I looked at each other like, what in the world? The Lord has done and is doing a powerful work 
in her and transforming everything like only he can do. The work's not finished yet, but she's the old Asia again. She's the Jesus girl Asia that we've always known. We've known Asia and her family since before her parents were married and obviously known her since she was a baby. And so we have a long history there. So it's a beautiful thing and it's a very joyous. So pray with me. Let's stand real quickly. Let's just engage the Lord here before we open his word. I'm going to try. You heard that word. I'm going to try to uh, keep it relatively brief and more of a, an exhortation, which is what this is. So let's just reach out to the Lord. The Holy Spirit loves to encounter us with his word. He loves to plant the living seeds of God inside of his people that will grow and produce fruit. And even the smallest seed, if it's a mustard seed, it can grow into the largest tree in the garden that can house many birds and produce much fruit. So, Lord, we reach out to you. We ask you now to encounter us with your word. Would you plant your living words inside of our hearts in this season, in this time, in this moment, that Jesus would be glorified in deeper ways in us, that, Lord, there the things inside of us that need to be brought to the light so that they can be exposed, made whole, changed, and transformed, would you do that? as only you can do. We're asking you to take your word, make it alive, and breathe it in us by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Philippians chapter 2 is the passage that's been going around inside of me um, this week. Just been praying into it. As far as what the Lord would say to us, it's not the part about humility and servanthood, which is always appropriate and beautiful and powerful, but I'm going to pick up at verse 12 and we'll read down through verse 18 and just talk about um, some things. So, so the theme this morning I want to talk about and what I feel like the Lord wants to stir inside of us is gratitude. Living as a grateful people and turning our focus and our perspective on him so that there's always an enormous amount of reasons to be grateful and to live in gratitude. And the world around us is so dark and divided, is it not? I felt, I felt the weight recently, and one of the things that stirred in my heart, I think, about this was I felt like the Holy Spirit was just kind of steering my, me back, like you need to go back and drink from this well again, because one of the things that happens as a leader in anybody is that you see and you experience the brokenness of people and the hard things that they walk through, and you try to help walk through those things with them, and Sometimes that becomes really weighty and heavy, and we need to turn our focus back to Jesus and recognize, just like Asia said, he's the one that carries us. He's the one that does the heavy lifting, or you can feel burdened, like, what are we going to do with all of this stuff? Like, I felt that way, and so the title of my message this morning is, What is Your Flavor? So when, when you're around people and they're around you much, what kind of flavor 
comes out of you? Does gratitude come out of your pores or does complaining come out of your pores? Because complaining is what is in the world. It's the spirit of the world. There's the, we hate them. I mean, how, how toxic is politics today? It's really toxic, right? How toxic is everything in the world? There's this polarization where everything is, we hate them, they hate us, all of that kind of stuff is toxic. And for believers, we cannot and must not live there because we're called to a different realm. We're called to live and to walk our lives regardless of what's happening in gratefulness to the Lord for what he's done. I mean, to turn our eyes back and to gain our perspective again, what has Jesus done and what is he doing right now in us and what has he promised to do and what is he committed to do? He said he's going to present us blameless before him on the day of Christ Jesus to stand before him blameless. We should shout right there. Like that, that's incredible. He's doing the heavy lifting and he is working in us through our dysfunction, getting us to the place that he wants us to be and what he created us for. That is such a joy and a relief. And we should keep our eyes focused upon the thing that he's doing. I had a splurge night last night, I'll confess to you. My grandson, Ethan's birthday, and he wanted grilled hot dogs and french fries, and so I ate that. Hot dogs are not, not really good, but um, I hadn't had one in probably, I don't know, five years, a long time. Um, and then we went to Cold Stone. Now, that's, wor that's a worthy splurge. So... Everybody that knows me knows what I got when I went to Cold Stone. My grandkids are like, Dad, Papa, what are you going to get? I'm like, you know what I'm going to get. Chocolate devotion. That's what I get every time. Chocolate ice cream, chocolate chips, chocolate brownie, chocolate syrup, all mixed together. I, I, I do add a little bit of coconut in there. I have to tell them, add a coconut, put it in a waffle cone, then that's a worthy splurge. So... It's got me thinking about what my flavor is. You know it's chocolate, but what is the flavor of my life? Like when I'm in the presence of people and we're talking and they get to know me, what flavor comes out of my life? The question is, is it gratitude or is it complaining? And that's a big deal to the Lord. You may not think that it is, but it's a really big deal to God. So let's start in Philippians chapter 2. We'll start reading at verse 12. And I want to read down through verse 18, and then I want to go back through and look at some things here in this passage that I think are pretty powerful. And there's been some things in here that the Lord has marked me with and spanked me with um, over the years, and I'll, I'll share. I'm, I'm happy to share my fails with you. I just don't have enough time to share them all today. But I'm happy to share fails with you because we all have fails in our life, and they're the loving Father in our times of fail corrects us in order to steer our course in the way of grace and blessing. So he's a good father. Verse 12 of Philippians 2. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. How many like that word obeyed? 
I get the feeling it's not a very welcome word these days. I, I had a church leader actually one time, I, I'm reminded of this. We were sitting at a table and he turned to me out of the blue and he said to me, I'm just over the obedience thing. I'm just over the obedience thing. I'm like, how are you over the obedience thing? Like, bro, that's Jesus' love language. He said in John 14 twice, right? If you have my commandments and keep them, you're the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father and will come to him and will make our abode with him. Like, that's his love language. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't obey the things that I've told you? Jesus loves a heart that is bent towards obeying him. That's what him being Lord means, right? We do what he says, right? We don't do what he says when it's convenient. We do what he says because he's our master and he's our Lord. So obedience is beautiful. Can you say that with me? Obedience is beautiful. Okay, three of us said it. Let's try to get five this time. Obedience is beautiful. Okay, that is at the heart of discipleship. Did we know that? The mission of the church is to make disciples, is it not? Okay, so as our mission as a church is to make disciples. Jesus defined what that means in Matthew chapter 28. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So our journey in discipleship and the way we grow in discipleship is that we actually embrace what Jesus said and obey those things, right? Now, we, we can't do that by our own strength. We do that through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. But nevertheless, our heart is bent towards obedience. Okay, verse 12 again. So then, beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That sounds like it's a very serious thing to me. Is that how it sounds to you? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That feels very scary, like I'm going to work out my own salvation, but here's what you have to pick up. Verse 13 is the hope-filled verse in the center of this whole passage that you have to get. Like, you can't say this too much. Verse 13, because, for, it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Other translations put it this way. Now, this is powerful. You've got to get this. This is at the core of walking as a believer. So many strive. Corey and I were talking the other day about it. This was my model, too. I was raised by my parents like, you can be anything you want to be. You can be the president of the United States. You can do whatever. And they lied to me, just like yours probably did. That's not true. I can't be whatever I want, but what I can be is whatever God created me to be. And my effort is not the thing that's going to get me there. I'm not going to do the heavy lifting because on the day of Christ Jesus, only he's going to get the glory because he's the one who empowers me to do his will. So here's what verse 13 says. This is key. God himself places inside of us the desire to do what he wants us to do and the power to perform it. That's what verse 13 says. Okay, if the desire is in you to do what God wants you to do, and he gives you the power to perform it, that's really good news. You want to do what he wants you to do, and then he empowers you to do that thing. This is what it means to live by grace. 
This is what it means to walk as a successful disciple instead of a frustrated, angry, disappointed, disillusioned believer. This is the difference. God is working in you. Listen. Turn to the person next to you. Okay, I want 100% participation. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're jacked up. No, 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 say it. Say it to him. You're jacked up and, okay, keep talking, and I'm jacked up, but God's working in us to bring us to the place we should be. Okay, here's what God knows about us. We're all jacked up. All of us are. We all have our issues. We all have bent places. We all look like a pretzel. And those bent places we think are straight. And he's like, no, not really. But here's the thing. He's putting in us his desire and the power of his spirit in us to cause those things. I'm jacked up. Anybody that knows me knows I'm jacked up. But I was a lot more jacked up than I am now. So, so we're making progress and getting unjacked up, and the pretzel's getting straightened, okay? This is the process of sanctification. Uh, here's what I want to say. This is such huge and good news because God is getting us where he wants us to be. He's conforming us to the image of his son a little, one bend at a time. He's taking us there, but he's doing the heavy lifting. That is such good news. The weight is not on you. It's not all on you. Now, we do have to cooperate. We should do it with fear and trembling because this matters. Eternity's in the balance, and we're going to stand before the Lord and give account for our lives. But at the end of the day, when we stand before him, he's going to present us to himself. Do, do you like that? Like we talk about the bride making herself ready, but, right, but in Ephesians chapter 5, the balancing part of that is that Jesus is going to present to himself the bride without spot or wrinkle. If he left it up to us, we'd come up there covered with mud and go, how do we look? Not good. He's going to present to himself. This brings such joy. Sanctification is so filled with hope when you know what God's heart is and how he's working and lean into that and let him work it in you, the thing. So again, I pray every day of my life, Lord, put inside of me your desire. Cause me to want to do what you want me to do. I love the passage in Ezekiel 36, right, Mick? Ezekiel 36, 26. I'll write my laws upon their heart and their minds, and I will cause them to walk in my ways. I'm like, that's me. Take me like a puppet. Cause me to walk in your ways. I want to walk in your ways. Cause me to. I'm going to make you do what I want you to do. You go, oh, that's not. It is true on some level. As I yield to him, I'm like, yes. The yes is in my heart. I want to do what you want me to do. This takes away the impossibility of what is actually impossible, but with God, all things are possible. With us, it's not possible. So, this is beautiful. This is the good news. God is at work in you. Turn to the person again next to you and say, God's at work in you. He's working his will. And his desire. All right, verse 14. Now, here's the first point that Paul gives of working out our salvation. 
Do all things without grumbling and disputing. So that says that in this process of working on our salvation with fear and trembling, grumbling is illegal. It's illegal. It hinders what God wants to do. Grumbling is illegal. Why does grumbling hinder what God wants to do? Because it turns our focus away from the Lord and the very one who's changing us onto circumstances and onto our own weakness and can't get there that way. Grumbling is illegal. And then disputing. So, how we react, here's two things here. In our process of letting God work in us, there's two things that we need to learn how to navigate rightly. One is difficult circumstances, right? How many have ever grumbled? Okay. How many still grumble most of the time? How many people in here, people know you as a grumbler and a complainer? Okay. All right. That's the altar call then. For real, we've all been there and complained and grumbled. We turn our eyes on things, and we feel like the Lord's not being fair with us. He's not doing right, and our attitude is poor. Such a nice way to say it. I wanted to say something else. Um, so we, what we can't do is grumble and disputing. So we're talking about dealing with difficult circumstances, number one, and we're talking about dealing with difficult people, number two. Okay, how do we navigate difficult circumstances and difficult people? But look at verse 15. I want you to show, why, to show you why this is really important. Verse 15 says, So that do all things without grumbling or disputing. Don't, comp- don't be a complainer. Don't be a whiner. And don't always be at odds with somebody else in the body. That's not okay. Those things are off limits in growing in your salvation, so that you will prove yourself to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. So what is he saying? When we're complainers and whiners and when we're fighting with one another, we're disputing, we're at odds with one another, we can't get along with each other, we're in tension with each other, we are actually sending a message to the world out there that Jesus is not real and that this thing is all a sham. That's not okay. That's why those things are illegal and off limits. Holding fast the word of life, verse 16, so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain or toil in vain. But even if I'm being poured out, I love this. This is just an aside, but let's just finish these last two verses here. So powerful. Even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice. What a mindset. You you know what the drink offering was, right? The Old Testament. They did the whole burnt offering where they took the whole auction and they burnt the whole thing to the Lord. The priest didn't get anything. The offerer didn't get anything of the whole burnt offering. It was just a sweet-smelling offering to the Lord. The whole thing was consumed. And at the end of that, they took expensive spices and wines mixed together and they poured them out in the ground at the base of the altar. 
Paul viewed his life that way. Such a powerful and beautiful picture. What a way to live at the end of my life, Lord. I'm going to give everything to be consumed by you for your purposes. And then the grand finale, I'm going to be poured out at the base of the altar like a drink offering. Nobody gets anything except you get it all. That's how I want to go. That's how I want to go out. That's a real thing. So powerful. A drink offering. So he says, I rejoice. Partake of my joy as I pour out my life. And you rejoice, and so I can share in your joy too. How do you rejoice when you're being poured out as a drink offering? I'm going to say it's perspective. perspective, what we look at. Grumbling. When he says grumbling in verse 14, he's referring to the children of Israel. How do we know that? Because the only other time he used this word in his, all of his writings, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where he says to the Corinthian believers, and don't grumble as some of them grumbled and were destroyed by the destroyer. So obviously, the Lord wasn't pleased with the grumbling, Right? Anybody read Exodus recently? Okay, so Exodus 15 is powerful, right? They get delivered from Egypt. They come through the Red Sea. They're dancing with tambourines, right? Come on, Miriams. They're dancing with tambourines. They're rejoicing. The horse and the rider are thrown into the sea. How long was it? from the time they went through the Red Sea until they first started grumbling in the wilderness. Does anybody know? Anybody know? It was three days. Three days from that amazing, powerful, mighty, incredible deliverance, unmatched probably in the history of the world, Three days, they're grumbling and complaining against the Lord and against Moses. Have you brought us out here just to die? Like, and the Lord didn't appreciate it at all. Because, listen, our grumbling says something very personal about God. It says, God, you're not really enough to satisfy me. You're not really able to take care of me the way that I need to be taken care of. You're not really faithful to do the things in my life that are going to fulfill me and make me happy. It's very personal. The Lord takes it personally. So grumbling is not okay. It accuses the Lord of being unloving. You remember when the disciples were in the boat and they were terrified because the storm came? And Jesus is what? He's asleep. On the back of the boat. I don't, I don't know how you sleep in a storm like that. But Jesus had amazing peace. And the disciples ran to him. And what did they say? Don't you care? Dude, we're dying. You don't care. Really? I'm just getting ready to give my life for you on the cross. But I don't care about you drowning. Right? No. It impugns God and says that he's not sufficient and he's not enough to satisfy us and he takes it personally so grumbling is not okay i have failed on this line 
spectacularly many times. I'll tell you one. Several of you, I'm sure, have heard this story. I don't remember the last time I shared it, but it's been a little while. I'm like the old guy who can't remember the last time he told the story. It was actually last week, and not, not just saying. <laughs> so we had five children at this time. My brother, one of my brothers is a doctor, and so he had a lot more money than we did. Uh, we had five young children. Our oldest was 10, and Carissa was not quite one years old yet. So we just had five. We took our little Dodge minivan. We rode up to Colonial Williamsburg because my brother said, he's a doctor. He's knocking down the big bucks. He just decided, hey, we're going to bless you guys. Let's come up and spend a week at Colonial Williamsburg. We're going to buy you, uh, you know, the place to stay. We've got these units where you can have two because you've got so many kids. You can have two units. And, and come on up. And let's just go to Colonial Williamsburg. It's really cool. If you've ever been there, they've reenacted the, you know, the, the revolutionary time period in the whole town. They've got the shops, everything there. It's really cool. So we're like, oh, this will be awesome. Be perfect for homeschooling for our kids, and we'll go up there. So the first night we get up there, we go out to a restaurant, and my oldest two, I think, Jason Chan are both, at the dinner table at the restaurant before we actually got settled in there started vomiting, and if you've ever, if you have a large family at all, even if you have two kids, you know that when a stomach virus goes to the family, it's not a good time. Like, there were years when we traveled in our car, and we had a full box of gallon Ziploc bags just for this occasion, because we would have kids that would get sick in the car. It's, it's not good. They start vomiting. We go into the unit. We got in there. We thought, this is going to be great. We'll be spacious. We'll have enough room. Half of it, where it was partitioned, somebody had chain smoked in there, it seemed like, for about 15 years. And so we walked in there, and my wife, as soon as she smells smoke, she gets a headache. So we're like, oh, we can't stay in that side. So we had to shut that off, close that completely, and then we're all in the half, uh, which made it a lot tighter. And starting at that night, um, that stomach virus went through everybody in my family, ex except for me. So the first night, they're throwing up in their beds. They're throwing up trying to get to the bathroom on the carpet. And I'm down there like this. I'm cleaning it off the carpet. And I'm thinking, okay, this has got to go away. And then the next day, another one would go down and start being sick. And it was a mess. And it went on this way all week long. And I started, I'm cleaning up. And finally, Diane went down and she's on the couch like that. And I'm like, really, Lord? Like, I would be better for me to be sick and then somebody could take care of me. But I was like the only ones left standing. And I was not a happy camper cleaning up vomit all day and all night. That's what I was doing for the whole week I was there. I never went out of the place. We never went to Colonial Williamsburg. Toward the end of the week, my two oldest kids that started with it got well enough to where they could go for like one day. The rest of the time, I was literally in that one unit. I was taking sheets and blankets and stuff and just trying to clean it up. And I put them in that half of the, the unit that we couldn't occupy because of its smoke. And I, I, I called up the guy at the front desk. I said, dude, I'm so sorry, man. I don't know what to do. What do I do with all these sheets that are full of vomit? And stuff? I don't know what to do with them. But I said, I'm so sorry, man. I don't know what to do. If you want me to do something different, tell me. So this went on till the end of the week, literally. And I was not in a good state of mind. <laughs> I was not rejoicing in the Lord. 
saying, Lord, I'm so thankful for your goodness. Thank you for these blessings of children. They're such a gift from you. I'm so grateful. Thank you for your redemption. And I'm going down the list out of Ephesians and reading, God, you're so good. You've been so faithful. No, I wasn't doing that. I was doing this. And I was not a happy camper. At the end of that week, I was pretty rough inside. And that last night, I told Diane, as soon as we can leave here, we're going to leave. Like, we're going to get back in the van. Let's get out of here. I want to escape this place. Let's go back to Florida. Uh, that night, this is one of the two times in my life where I had a dream from the Lord. That's real. The Lord gave me a dream that night. And in the dream, I'm preaching on a platform. And my message was this. My title, I read the title out. My message is profound gratefulness. And I start preaching this message, and I'm watching myself in the dream. It doesn't matter what your circumstances on this earth are, your temporal circumstances. Think about what Jesus has done in eternity that awaits and everything that he's done to draw us to himself and all the obstacles overcome. And I'm preaching and I'm watching myself in my dream preach this message about getting focused right and turning my eyes away from the circumstance that had made me so upset and distracted. And I woke up that morning... After that dream, and this is, this is really the truth, I said, very funny. <laughs> I really did. I said, very, very, very funny. <laughs> but he wasn't kidding. We drove out of town that morning, got in the van early. I told Diane, I said, we're never going on vacation again until the kids are out of college. And I said, that's it. <laughs> we're done. I'm not doing this. We're really sour. And we drove, we got onto the highway out of Williamsburg. As soon as we got on there, there was a truck in front of us that threw up a rock that big and cracked our windshield. Bam! Windshield. I'm like, thinking about that dream, I'm going, who was that idiot preaching? Lord, trying to, that, but that was the Lord trying to help me. Now, it took me a while to digest that, for real. My emotions were not in a good place. I was not in a good state of mind, I'll confess to you. That was a total fail. But the Lord was saying, look, this, this thing is inside of you, and this is the beauty of the Lord. In our hardships and in our times of trial, He squeezes us so that we can actually see what's inside of us, so that we can actually be willing for Him to deal with those things and to purge those things from us. That's his mercy. So the Lord in his mercy, even though I'm not a dreamer, he gave me one of the two dreams that I've ever had in my life from the Lord in order to shift my perspective and go, you know what? You're fixated on things that don't have eternity in them at all. Things that aren't worthy of your focus and of your passion and of your emotion being wrapped around them. They're not worthy of that. And that's why you're so unhappy. Because ungrateful people are always unhappy. Always. 
and I mentioned last week, ungrateful people in their marriage are always unhappy in their marriage. If you are going to find all the bad things in your spouse, you'll never be happy in your marriage. If you're going to look for all the hard things of raising your kids and all the costs that it took, you're never going to be happy. Or see the blessing of God allowing you to shape souls forever for Him. Dude, it's such a privilege. It's crazy to think about, oh, how hard. You know, I had people all through our life, you know, when we're raising these children. You know, you go into a restaurant and they look at you like you've got three heads, you know. Dude, what's wrong with you? Like, you're a blame idiot, you know. I told you before, I mean, people would ask all the time. I stopped it, but they would ask me, like, don't you know what causes that? I'd say, yeah, I know, and we enjoyed every minute of it, actually. <laughs> So the same people don't say it again, at least, you know. But the reality, don't you know how much it costs for school, for braces, for college? Yeah, but compared to what? I'm not living my life, you see. For what's convenient and easy, I want to live my life in the light of eternity, quorum Deo, before the face of God, so that when I stand before Him, I'm going to go, that was an awesome investment. My 401k might have sucked, but that was awesome. What, what are we living for? So here's the thing. Do we have an eternal perspective? Are we focused on the things that really matter or not? When we grumble, we're focused on things that don't really matter because they don't carry eternity. Because everything that has to do with our eternal welfare, Jesus has already paid the price. And if I keep my eyes focused on that, I'm going to be a person that is overflowing with gratitude, right? One of the most powerful stories I know about living in gratitude is Corey Ten Boom and her sister Betsy in the prison camp in Germany. You know the story, I'm sure. They hid Jews in their home, this Dutch family, and they finally got caught by the Gestapo, sent to prison camp. When they went there, there was 80 ladies jammed into a car. And there was a bunch of straw in there, and they had to take that straw and bring it into their barracks, and that's what they slept on as their beds. The straw was infested with fleas and lice. So when they took that in there, they all were bitten by fleas constantly, and they all had head lice. Well, Corey had gotten a Bible that she smuggled in because she prayed, Lord, let them not get it, and miraculously, she tied it from a string around her neck underneath her dress, and she got it through, so she had a Bible, which was like a treasure in the prison camp. And they began to have Bible studies. And her and her sister Betsy would read a verse of the day, and then they would ponder it, and they would pray over it. And that, that particular day, the verse was out of 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And Corey was not amused. She said, what in the world? Betsy said, no, Corey, we need to thank the Lord for this situation. Even for the fleas and the lice. 
Corey's like, no, I am not thanking the Lord for lice and fleas. And Betsy said, you don't know, the Lord might be up to something. And so Betsy went on to pray, Lord, thank you for your goodness, allowing us to get this Bible in here, and for the lice and the fleas. And Corey was like, wow. They began to have Bible studies in that barracks. And so many women started to come that then they had two. And they're wondering the whole time, why don't the guards come in here seeing the women coming in and out so much? Why don't they come in here and check it out? Until a little while later, they heard guards talking outside of their door saying, we'll never go in that barracks because it's full of fleas and lice. Come on. The Lord said, watch how I'm going to use fleas and lice to bring people to myself that the guards are afraid to come in here because they don't want to get lice and get fleas, but I'm going to protect my people by lice and fleas. Come on, Lord. And they discipled those ladies in the camp because the guards were afraid to come in. What seemed to be something to totally complain about, God used for his glory and for his purposes. So powerful. I want to read you some, just a few quotes by Ann Voskamp. Ann Voskamp has a real revelation of living grateful that has helped me a lot. She wrote a book called 1,000 Gifts and Other articles that she's written. Being joyful isn't what makes you grateful. Being grateful is what makes you joyful. When thanks to God becomes a habit, joy in God becomes your life. This is so true. Like you want to be filled with joy, but that's a matter of perspective because grateful people are ones who have joy. They don't look for all the things that are going wrong and complain about those things. The practice of giving thanks is the way we practice the presence of God. And it is always a practice of the eyes. We don't have to change what we see, only the way we see. Now we see lice and fleas in a totally different light. They're going to serve us and the purposes of God. So for real... Do we trust the Lord in our lives over the things that seem inconvenient? And I'm not saying the Lord sends everything in our life or that he's going to send fleas and lice on your house. Like, but look, do we have eyes to say, God, I'm grateful to you because even if these things are here in my life, they're not the big deal. They're not eternal. They don't carry that much weight and they're not going to control my life. My life is going to be controlled by gratitude. I want to have gratitude to you because I have so much reason to thank you and to be grateful and thankful. The commandments of Scripture, right? So, so, here, so here's, here's just a few. This is a five-question test. You're going to answer either commandment or suggestion. I'm going to read the verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Commandment or suggestion? Oh, commandment. Okay. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, 
by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Suggestion or commandment? Commandment. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Suggestion or commandment? Commandment. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, having been firmly rooted, now being built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, be overflowing with gratitude. Suggestion or commandment? You guys, this is easy where they're all the same letter, right? Number five, in everything, give thanks. You, you, you notice the always in the everything that's in here? Like, in everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Suggestion or commandment? All right, now my question is, do we treat those like commandments or suggestions? Do we make it an important part of our life to live grateful and to stop ourselves and to look at every situation and go, wait, 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 wait. How can I be grateful and thankful in this moment? What is God doing here that I can't see? Or what might he be doing here? Or regardless of if he's even doing anything in that situation, what has he already done for me in Christ Jesus that I can turn my eyes to and go, you know what, this carries no weight at all. Paul said that I count the distresses and the troubles of this life as being nothing compared to the surpassing greatness of the glory that's going to be revealed in us. It's not even worthy to be compared. It's not even worthy to go on the same scale. You go, well, well, why is this important, brother? Like, we're just going to be happy, happy, happy people? No, this is about the reputation of God. And this is about our own hearts focusing on that which pleases the Lord. He's not a fan of grumbling because he's done so much for us, right? This is like a parent with a child. You know this if you're a parent. One thing that shapes most parents is ingratitude in their children, right? Right? Oh, look, I bought you a new motorcycle. Oh, I wanted a car. Right? So with all that the Lord has done for us, What kind of people should we be in gratefulness, thankfulness, and overflowing with gratitude? And and can I just put this in? I'm not going to go through all this now because it's already quarter after. But we are commanded in Scripture to be thankful for one another as well. Did you know that? Like we're supposed to look at each other in the body of Christ for reasons to be grateful to the Lord because we're supposed to pray with thanksgiving. Here's Paul. I won't do the test again, but I'll just read these verses to you. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Like You'll recognize that Paul says this in almost all of his letters. These were some of the most jacked up people, more so than we're jacked up. Like in Corinth, they were jacked up. Here's what he said to the saints in Corinth. I thank my God always concerning you. 
I don't cease to give thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. I thank God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I'm confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Our role as believers in the body, this is a real thing. We're supposed to be cheerleaders for each other. And when we see the jacked up places and people, and I've seen a few, and I've been there, okay? I'm sure there's been people who looked at me in my life and said, oh my gosh. And I've had those experiences. And what the Lord calls us to do is not to go, mm. He calls us to go, you know what? I'm confident that he who began the good work in you is going to perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Like, you've only just begun. This is what's happening. And the Holy Spirit is working in you. And yeah, you've got some stuff you need to deal with. And we're going to speak the truth in love. But my main role is to be a cheerleader for you that Jesus Christ is doing the heavy lifting. He's going to work his purposes in you. And he's going to get all of us where he wants us to be. That's what we do in community. Can I tell you that builds oneness in a community? Absolutely. When we fault find, it's relational grumbling. It's relational grumbling. And the Lord goes, really? I remember the time. I told you, this is one of the ways I was jacked up. I was really edgy. Still a little bit edgy. You might get that. I tried to dole down the, the edge so it's not so sharp. And, and before I was ministering one time, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me really clearly and said, remember, when you speak, these are people that I gave my life for. I was like, they don't suck. They're precious to me. No, that's a real thing. It's a real thing. Whenever I speak, honestly, it's with fear and tremor. I'm like, God, help me to serve your people and to rightly speak to them knowing that they are your bride. You don't take kindly to people. Like if somebody says something to my wife, no, that does not fly. I had an employer one time that insulted her. I was like, oh, no. I went into his office and said, we're having a talk right now. Like, I'm almost out of here this second, but like, you will never talk to my wife like that again. No. Jesus is jealous over his bride. He loves his bride. And we speak honorably, respectfully, and recognize that he gave his life for those that we speak to. He loves his bride. And we speak accordingly as ministers of the gospel. So, we help each other. We don't have relational grumbling. That's fault finding. That's what he talks about in verse 14, that being disputing. The grumbling and disputing. So you got difficult situations and you got difficult people and you just grumble about all of it. Point it out. They jacked up. They're messed up. And the Lord said, no, no, no. No. Be redemptive. 
the Lord is calling for us to have redemptive hearts with our situations as we walk through the day. I'm not saying it's easy. I, you know, there's lots of people that have gone through way worse things than me. But I've gone through a few things over the years. And I get it. I get that it's hard. And, and let me just put this caveat in here. When I'm talking about grumbling, you read in the Psalms, David poured out his complaint to the Lord. But what David wasn't doing was he wasn't impugning God and saying, you're not treating me right. What are you doing causing like, I deserve it. No, David was like, I'm hurting. God, help me to process this and to see it rightly. And usually by the end of the psalm, he's into praise, right? That, that, this is how you process with God. You should share your hurts and your hard times with the Lord and everything with him, but you need to come to the right conclusion at the end of the, of the, of the, of the dialogue. That he's your answer, that he's for you and he's not against you, and that your little circumstances, Paul said that the little circumstances of his life, like being beaten with rods 30 times, being shipwrecked, being chased down, always had a contract on his head. Dude, in, in Acts chapter 21, they made a vow not to eat or drink until they killed him. These light momentary afflictions are not worthy to be compared to the eternal weight of glory that's going to be revealed in us. C.S. Lewis in his message, it's actually a message that's made into a book called The Weight of Glory, so powerful. He said, we walk around and interact with people every day in the church who are born again that if we saw them in their glorified state, we would be tempted to fall down and worship them. That's really true. The glory that's going to be revealed in you and me. So my calling to you and my commitment to you and our commitment to each other should be, we're going to help each other to get there. And we're not going to fault find and nitpick. We're going to encourage and cheerlead and pray and pray with thanksgiving and call out the things that are inside of you that represent Jesus rightly. And we're going to help each other on our journey to get to that place where we're all going to stand before him blameless and we can all throw our crowns down as okay, the heart of the Father Brigade in the throne room of heaven. On the count of three, everybody throw your crowns down at his feet. One, two, three. Yes. And then there's going to be a huge explosion of praise. Come on. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. We're not complainers. Complainers are earthbound people. We're not fault finders. Fault finders can't see eternity. They can only see the temporal and their own hurt feelings. We're those who are living for eternity and helping as many people as possible get there with us. Amen. That's my exhortation. So, what's your flavor? What's your flavor? What do people get from you? Do people that know you the most in your unguarded moments, are they partakers of the toxic sewage that comes out of you? Or do they hear strains of gratitude to God? So encouraging to be around people that are praisers. So encouraging to be around people that go, 
No. And I shout out to my wife. She's one of these people. Like She's helped me through so many times where she's like, no, baby, here's what we're going to do. I'm like, that's right. That's exactly right. That's what we're going to do. We're going to turn our eyes to Jesus. Amen. All right. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to release you guys. Father, thank you for what you're doing in us. Thank you for what you're building in us. Thank you for what you're building in this body. Lord, would you turn our eyes away from being earthbound and not seeing what you're doing, not seeing eternity? Would you give us eyes to see what you're doing? Would you give us eyes to see the beauty of what you have put in our brothers and sisters around us? And would you give us a heart that's willing to slog through some difficulties and some mess, to be a cheerleader, to help and to be a blessing rather than to pile on and to be a curse? Would you help us, Lord? Let there be a culture in this place Lord, where gratitude is the air that we breathe, where gratefulness to Jesus is the atmosphere that we live in, would you help us, Lord, all of those things that are in us that need to be purged out, would you cleanse us, would you take away, Lord, all of those dark places that need to be washed by your blood and sanctified by your spirit, and would you cause this place, this people, and each of us to be a praise to the glory of your grace as we move forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. I really do.